Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about how complicated life can be and a an aha that I've had about cutting through the complexity. I love it. And um, John, you said that this aha, I shared it with you a couple weeks ago, and the process of my thinking and uh, you told me today that it's been um, useful to you. It snuck up on me. You said it once, and I was like, well, duh. And then throughout the, <laughs> and then over and over again for like a, a while now, I'll think of something, and then I'll hear this line. But first, in order to hear what we're talking about, you have to get through. You have to get through story time, mm-hmm. and uh, we promise this will be worth the wait. Um, if you're not sold on the topic yet, hang out. Hang out for five or six more minutes and then then decide it won't be hard because this story is very riveting okay well let's go to story time john you're up my turn and uh so i once i've got two stories for you okay once when i was probably 14 maybe younger maybe 13 or 14 maybe 15 but that'd be that'd be cutting it i only remember because i was a I was an, a young teenager in Colorado, which gives me only two or three years to work with. So t- between 13 and 15. And me and the family are walking into this Barnes & Noble in uh, in Hounds Ranch. Is that Hounds Ranch? Technically? Lone Tree. Lone Tree. And we'd go there. I hung out there a lot. That was like... That's a great place. I loved it. We'd go there and I'd get a caramel frappuccino. Mm-hmm. And I'd go and find uh, that month's edition of the comic I was reading. And I'd read it in the shop and then not buy it because I was a kid. Right. And I'd come back next time and read the next edition. And uh, anyway, it was awesome. So we're walking in and this guy drops um, some stuff on the ground, like some papers. And so I'm in the back of my family and they all, he's right in front of the front door. They all step around him. And I step down and pick up his papers and help him hand it to him and keep going. Another story. I'm a little, I'm a bit younger. That's the end of that story. That's the end of that story. I'm a bit younger. Now I'll, I'll bring him. To, you'll get it in a second. Okay. And I'm sitting at the front pews of church at Grace Community Church in Colorado. I bet you I'm ten or eleven. And I've got boogers in my nose, and so I'm going to town on my nose. <laughs> and afterwards. I'm informed by probably my mom or one of my siblings that I was very visible by lots and lots and lots of people picking my nose like crazy for, you know, 45 minutes, however long that service no, was. No, not 45 minutes. Lo- Nobody dude, can pick their nose for 45 minutes. If you, you know how to get deep enough, <laughs> <laughs> probably not for, off and on for 45 minutes. And But enough to be a distraction to many, many folks. Yes. And too old to be doing this. this I wasn't six. Were you, you know? eating them? Probably. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> Here's my point. I think back to both of these things, and neither of them has any bearing on my identity right now whatsoever. I think back on one with pride, and I think, man, my family must have been proud of me as a young man to help this guy with his stuff. And I think of the other one with shame. How could the, a kid, and I'm big for my age, always. Right. Yeah, so you I probably people always thought you were older than you were. And consequently, they always thought I was simpler than I was. 
They must have thought I was the dumbest little boy there ever was. Both of which are useless to me as a, as my identity, as my personhood. And I think about them both equally. We, uh, a long time ago, you probably don't even remember this, but you, I don't even remember the context of it, but you told me once, either you were on stage or we were talking that if you are to let go of the past of your bad, right? Well, that was a long time ago. Then you also have to let go of the past of your good. Right. That, that you can't take pride in something that long ago or that, um, I don't know. Dude, uh, uh, this made more sense in my head when I started talking. Because for me, this is true. <laughs> I have let go. I told a story a little bit ago about winning that award for, for right, Water. Right. I held on to that for a long time as like one of the reasons why I'm a likable, good guy, good boy, you know? Yeah. And it's, uh, it doesn't matter anymore. It, it's useless. So if you're going to, it's freeing too, because you get to also let go of picking your boogers in front of all 200 of your closest <laughs> friends <laughs> and worse things, you know? So this is a good thing. For this is you, a good thing that that the good and the bad are useless. They're, yeah. What do they? What do they, they did say leave about a mark? Me? Right. They're formational. Well, yeah, they're formational. But um, patting my back because of one and smacking myself on the head because of one, both of which is a waste of time. Now there you go. Because neither one defines tells you. me who I am. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know that. For me, this has been helpful to work with throughout all my memories. If I think of things I'm ashamed of, um things I'm proud of, it's all noise. And mm-hmm. and especially when you consider, you know, true identity as we do as, you know, so let's followers. let's dig here a little bit. What where does true identity come from then if not from these little anecdotal episodes? Well it's who it's who God says I am. Oh, I see. Yeah. And this you're ready for the sickest segue of all Jim and John history <laughs> is what we're talking about. <laughs> this the line you gave me. Yeah is two things can be true at once or two things not even can be. This two is, things are true at once this is the aha i had recently yes and so i gave you that line recently not back in denver right exactly right. recently i can at once be a booger picking dumb boy yes a guy who helps people up with their stuff and a, a certifiable genius <laughs> <laughs> many many things not that one um but tell me let's do some groundwork tell me about this aha you had when you when you first had it yeah, so um, it's interesting because um, there's a a line I saw in a TV show. I um, it it was either it was Blue Bloods. I think it was an episode of Blue Bloods. Okay, Tom Selleck. Yeah, which I'm a big Tom Selleck fan. The Jesse Stone movies are awesome. I don't know what that is. Oh, you got to look it up, man. The Jesse Stone movies. He's a, he's a, at least the last one I saw, and I don't remember the others, but I've got a list now. I'm going to start watching because I Googled if you liked Longmire and I got a list of things you should watch (laughs) and three Jesse Stone movies are on that list. But not Magnum, not Magnum PI. Oh, no, 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 no. Because Jesse Stone is a sheriff in a small town in Massachusetts. Gotcha. And, um, Anyway, but in Blue Bloods, which is him too, I just I just like Tom Selleck. I like the old Tom Selleck. Yeah, Tom Selleck and the uh, uh, the the poor man's Mark Wahlberg. Well, I don't get that. His brother Donnie Wahlberg is on there. It's a jab oh. at, at, at his brother. Oh, okay. The, the, oh, the, that's true. The that's network true. TV version of Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, he's the Eli Manning to the Peyton Manning. That <laughs> okay. is Mark Wahlberg. It. We'll keep going. We like we digress. Yeah, <laughs> but he says a statement to his daughter in there because she's she's struggling with how she feels about a person. Mm. And she says, 
most people are more than one thing. Hmm. And so uh, I, don't, I think I heard that line after my aha, but it might have been before. It's funny how things build on each other, these little uh, moments in your life. And I think God orchestrates them. Sure. My aha came as I was processing with a counselor um, uh, this. I have this thing where um, it feels like fairly constantly that something is wrong. Hmm. I'm not sure what's wrong. <laughs> Um, but something's wrong. That sounds like anxiety. It is, but it doesn't, uh, typically make my heart race or anything like that. Sure. But just this nagging sense that right now, this moment, I'm letting somebody down. (laughs) I don't know what I've done, but I've done, I'm letting somebody down. Mm -hmm. It's a prison. Sounds awful. Yeah. And I've fought years to try to figure out how to not feel that way. And I finally, I believe I've had significant significant freedom come in this particular arena but the counselor's comment was because i was attaching i think i know where this comes from Mm -hmm. and so i was processing that story and i was getting really really mad at this person in my life from my childhood that i think made this happen Mm -hmm. then um my whole drive home i'm just mad 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 i'm getting madder But then I remembered something about that person's childhood that I actually could research and look up. And when I did, my heart began to break for this person because I found new stories of their of their tragedy um, from their childhood. And I realized and the counselor said to me, it seems like you need your world to be black and white, Mm -hmm. that something is either good or it is bad, but it cannot be both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Now, I would not have thought that's something I struggle with because I right. understand life is complicated and and things are messy. Life's messy. Uh, but this thought, things can be two things at the same time. So what he's, his point was to me, this person um, let you down. This person did not meet the needs they should have met. Um, this person impacted you in a counterproductive way. Mm-hmm. That is true. And it is true that that person was heroic and um, really amazing at playing the cards they were dealt. Mm. And so I could be both uh, grateful for how difficult that person's life was and that they didn't give up and they tried their best and yet still uh, accurately be disappointed and have to reconcile and forgive what was not provided. Yeah. So that sent me on this course of how often more than one thing is true at the same time. Mm -hmm. Now pick up the story there because you said that's the part that has, you keep seeing that or something catch me. Yeah. And I started with talking about identity. This aha for me has not been so much about identity as it has been um, a worldview or, um, you know that that black and white thing. So you have you said that to me as well, um, the black and white thing. Or or you asked me once, do I see the world in black and white? And I didn't really have an answer because everyone thinks they see the world as it is. Right. Right. So it was like I didn't quite know what you meant. Um, but I think that less do I always think is this thing good or bad. I always think how should I feel about this? Mm. The should word. Yes. How should I feel about this as primarily my my foundational 
Which means you have to interpret it. You have to interpret it so that you have a a conclusive should about it. Right. And that that means um, I am the judge there. In my own perception, right? Not over anybody else, but but when you know, um, how should you feel? You're the about umpire. This? Yeah. That's a ball. That's a strike. Right. You're you're making the judgment call. And I think um, a lot of that, and we can get into this more later. I think a lot of that is um, uh, following a, a perfect God. I think that makes things complicated mm-hmm. when you know that there is a true north. There is a standard there. There, there yeah. is yeah. There is a you know a white and a black. Yeah. Um, that complicates things. I think uh, our current um, political climate and and kind of um, pop culture thing is very very much like that. Wrong and rights. Mm-hmm. You need a stance on everything, and there is a wrong stance or a good st- or a, a right stance. Uh, there's a, a thing you might hear on the internet called "That's a bad take." If you have like a certain opinion, they might say that's a bad take, dude. Oh, it's a bad take on a on a thing on a subject. Yeah, to think that your take on something could be good or bad. Right. So uh, there's a lot of that, and the freedom. Because for me, right? So it's like, um, like think of the stickiest political dilemma, like like abortion, which I hate even thinking about. But um, should it be legal or illegal? It is good or bad. Uh, statistically, if it is illegal, there will be more illegal abortions that are more dangerous. That is that is true. And also, you could say that it is morally unacceptable to have it be legal in your country. That could also be true. Right, and two can be right. true at the same exact time. Right. So what the heck do you like? What do you do? Mm-hmm. And so uh, things like that. And I don't mean to dovetail with that too bad. That's just the, the, an example. Yeah, we probably lost but, a segment of our audience who are screaming at us in their radio or headset right now. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter. Abortion, killing babies is wrong. Period. End of discussion. Whatever peripheral damage comes from that. That's okay because that is not right. Well, that's not what we're talking about right now. I'm I not, know, but, but I'm not the I'm not the legislator. That's the point. <laughs> that's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. So so t- take a deep breath. If you just spent, spent it all screaming, take a deep breath. Keep your eyes on the road. <laughs> just breathe and realize that that can be true. And and other there's things a price. Yeah, other things can be true too. So that's the freedom. Because mm-hmm. I have all this tension. I uh, don't know. I'd have to do some more self reflecting before I thought if everything felt wrong all the time like you. But I often, very often feel um, like I'm not doing enough or um, a sense of unease, especially with topics. You know, something gets brought up and you think, oh, I hadn't thought about that. You know, what is my take on that? What is my right. stance on that? And uh, and the other side of this is um, I already don't have a lot of um, – decisive stances mm-hmm. so like like buddies i have a chat uh from college all of my uh roommates from that apartment that i talked about with there there's six of us who somehow our friendship survived that hellish living <laughs> arrangement um you know we still talk basically every day on yeah. uh, on uh, our little uh chat and so they'll be talking about political stuff the majority of them are a lot more uh, liberal than i am um but uh and then there's <laughs> it's funny there's like Four who are who are pretty consistently liberal. One guy who's like a Trump supporter, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, the guy getting torn <laughs> apart by the two horses. Uh, but that's the thing is, it's like when talking po- politics, you know, there has to be an answer to that question about divorce or about abortion. Right. There has to be a a stance there, and so uh, 
it does get stickier there to accept two truths at once. But personally, on just a, I'm living my personal life and having to have peace of mind, the two truths at once has been incredibly freeing. Just doing the dishes, thinking about something. And I just, I had the thought, I can't remember what it was for the life of me, which is a bummer. Um, but it was a conflict, and I thought, well, two things are true at once. And it's just kind of, it's an exhale. It's a, it's like yeah. a mantra almost. It was, it's well, been and very that's, nice. That's where it's been helpful to me, less so about the politics or about the, and thinking about life. But yeah. I, but as I interpret my own experiences, and in particular, I think it's helpful for processing your pain, but even to understand yourself, am I a good person or a bad person? Yes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that's the point of the two stories. Yeah. 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 And so uh, it's it's really helpful to recognize. And this is why I was so upset. Uh, what episode are we on here, John? Is this 95? 97. 97. Yeah. So episode 96, we talked about cancel culture. And this is why I'm so jacked up that cancel culture is so dangerous. Cancel culture says, no, everything is one thing. Mm-hmm. It is acceptable or it's out. And, um, you know, I've been frustrated and talking about and processing in my own mind the moral failures in the ministry that I have been exposed to and know about and friends and all that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, in the church world, we cancel, man, if you, if if you're a failure, you're out and you can't come back. Yeah. Um, and so I've been processing that with King David that, you know, horrible decisions and how many Bible, uh, historical figures, I don't like to call them Bible characters because that makes it sound like they're all they're, stories. Yeah. But these uh, biblical historical figures were complicated beings. Mm-hmm. They were both deeply in love with God and deeply flawed. Yeah. And this is true about us. And so it helps me on the self-acceptance part, the, the being patient with myself, not to celebrate that I'm also flawed, but to understand. Uh, it's, the scriptures tell us that uh, that God remembers that we are just dirt. Mm-hmm. You know, he remembers what we're made of and that, that helps him calibrate his judgment of us. Yeah. And one of the things talking about, um, um, biblical figures, I think one of the, uh, realities in Christian culture is how long ago your sin was. So like Paul is like the, like prototypical Christian. It's like, Oh, um, I was sleeping around as a drug addict mm-hmm. and then I got, religion and then i never did it again right that's the thing it's like you have to have never done it again right and even otherwise then, your story doesn't work right it should have been a few years ago too you got to give it a little <laughs> bit of a buffer so we know that it was legit it really yeah sucked. it can't be last week right exactly right. so then i mean and that's not uh i wouldn't say that's even i think that's a classic human overcorrection of seeing the senior source material and then and then implementing this kind of worldview but i think that's why i think david is such a more um in this conversation, a more realistic case study or a mm-hmm. more helpful case study mm-hmm. because it was not before and after it was, uh, it was during, it was, it was on and off his whole life of just failures and successes and failures yeah. and successes. And Peter, you know, Peter is an apostle mm-hmm. and he loves that the Gentiles are invited in as well, but then he struggles when he's around the Jews yeah. to not actually cast dispersion toward the Gentiles. And it's an honest revelation of his of his in, of his own battle. Yeah, where he kind of slips back into his cultural kind of comfort and, right. and pressures to to not disrupt uh, the Jewish culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I I'm I'm loving the recognition 
of myself that I'm two things, often two things, and sometimes more than two things. Mm-hmm. It's helped me in relationships. Like if I'm, um, as I talk to, I, I do some pastoral counseling, and as I talk to a, a guy who's really frustrating his marriage, I help him see that there are multiple things true here at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it helps you to parse those out and then recognize uh, the good and the bad in each thing. Now, this this is something I've been thinking a ton about for quite a while now, is these four skills we need for mental and emotional health. And, you know, they are to connect to one another, have, have human connection, mm-hmm. to also have disconnection where we have our boundaries are clean. The third is to process pain. And we need to effectively process our pain. And uh, just in case you're wondering what the fourth one is, it is to be able to function as an adult and mm-hmm. to allow other people to function as adults. But um, the process in your pain part, we want to tell, we want to uh, remember parts of our story, and that's a bad part. Mm. That was a bad thing, and that was a terrible thing. It was a tragedy. But what is always true, because God is God, is there's beauty that comes out of the ashes. Mm-hmm. And one, and and really, there's only good pain and bad pain. All pain sucks, right? But what makes bad, what makes pain bad pain, is that you never see the good in it. Hmm. Now that's really bad pain. Good pain is pain that I've reconciled, I've accepted the damage that it caused, and I've found the beauty that it made possible. Yeah. Um, so that's two things being true at the same time. It's the same thing. Yeah. I think that touches on the, the, one of the big things here, because primarily for me, this is the power of reconciling your worldview and kind of operating in the present. Uh, but it might, it has at least an as big effect on memory. Cause I think I, that same thing, I think back, um, I think everybody's memory is not accurate to an extent. <laughs> you know, more or less. And it can either be more optimistic than it was or more pessimistic than it was. Normally mine's a little more optimistic probably where mm-hmm. I look back and I go, man, what a, what great times. And then I'll think, well, this was happening at that time. This was happening at that time. And, and they kind of, it's like, Oh, well that wasn't a great time. Yeah. And again, it's that, it's that I am now in the position where I must judge. Was this a good time or a bad time? And that is not my job. Right. And it's not realistic. It's not accurate. It was both. Yes. And, uh, and that is just so much, um, freedom. I was, I was on here a little bit of a switch in a topic, but I, I was on here talking about, uh, Dallas Willard talking about, uh, how beautiful the world was. Right. Hey, you remember you, this? Yeah. You called foul. Yeah. I said, I said, you're, you know, not where you should be <laughs> to whatever. Anyway, I said that this was bogus. Yeah. The world was falling. There's, you know kids dying a hundred clicks that way where the story was taking place. Right. Right. Um, this sets me free from that. I don't have to declare the world as bad or good. And that beauty did exist. The beauty of that moment where he says this, this old woman drinking from a steaming cup in a, in a a city street. in I forget what country it was, uh, a a middle Eastern country, I believe, or an African country. The beauty of that moment, Mm -hmm. the synergy around him, and my wall at that point was there's too many other bad things going on that override that good thing. And the truth is there is no overriding. There is both. Yeah. There does seem times where despair tends to hit you and you think, 
is this seems irredeemably bad. Right. And I know that when I look at how education is going in the state of Washington, Mm -hmm. when I think of how public education is going, when I think of uh, laws trying to be passed and what that's going to do to Christian freedoms and the ability to um, for to have a faith position that biblical teaching is accurate about things like gender and sexual expression and whatever, mm-hmm. um, that that's going to become perhaps illegal. It's going to become, um, you know, hated, despised, more challenging. Um, sometimes I get so discouraged that I want to tap out. Just retire or what? Like leave the state? Well, yeah, like, um, and this is where, you know, the temptation, and this is uh, is to eliminate all the tension. Mm-hmm. So you tap out, you move somewhere where it's monochromatic. Everybody thinks just like you. The world operates in that little bubble just like you. And this is why churches have a tendency to circle inward and to create their own uh, sports leagues and their own, you know, because we want to we wanna create a utopia where we don't sure. have to deal with the the ugly. So I do understand that there are times when it, the volume of something does feel so overwhelming that you can't find enough good in it to want to stay in it. Yeah. And so that's, those are real battles that you have to process through. Yeah. And, uh, but, but that is the, I guess, and this could be oversimplifying, but the, the battle part, that's what I'm saying that this set me free from. For at least the, the the present time, most of my battles are cyclical, um, so I'm sure I'll be here again. But, um, but it was that thing doing, running the tally. It was back with the Dallas Willard thing. It, it, it was um, well, God's going to destroy the earth at the end of times and, and right. make a new one. So it can't be all that good, right? Yeah, <laughs> natural beauty and yeah. things like that. Um, so I'm running the tally, but it, the battle isn't isn't quite my job to discern. Yeah. That's where I'm finding peace. You know, a lot of Christians are talking about the end times right now. Yeah. Very focused. And what I hear a lot is a utopian fairy tale kind of image of the oh, return yeah. of Jesus. We're going to be hugging our kid good night and bam, Jesus is going to come. Or, you know, we're going to love life, be loving each other, and boom, Jesus comes. But man, the scriptures paint a totally different picture of that. Yeah, that the return of Christ will be a triumphant, uh, wonderful moment in a cesspool of chaos. Mm-hmm. And um, so those things are going to be true. I do say in my heart, as the scriptures encourage me to come quickly, Lord Jesus. Yeah. And I know that those end days are going to be so challenging. The Bible says that even the elect will fall away if it were possible. So it's going to be deceptive. It's going to be hurtful. It's going to be complicated. It's going to be very divisive among human beings. This is going to be super challenging. And yet it sets up the righteous return of Christ and the accurate judging of men's hearts. It's a good thing and a brutally hard thing at the same time. Yeah. You just made me hope to God that I'm not alive when that happens. (laughs) Uh, let's quick do our commercial break. I've got a few more questions about this uh, new philosophy. Okay. And I've got one other example of how it's mega helpful. Awesome. Um, uh, so yeah, let's do our book our book, uh, show and tell book, show and tell. Yeah. But book, uh, book of the week, uh, book of the week. Yeah. Go, a, go buy this little book. <laughs> it's our new show and tell where one of us presents a book that they're either currently reading, have read in the past, 
or just likes to talk about. Mm-hmm. And it's your turn this week. It is. And the book I want to uh, talk about is called The Pursuit of God mm. by A.W. Tozer. Tozer. Yes. And it's a very small book. It's an easy read. And I have read it probably 25 times. Dang. How it, little? Uh, very little. I don't know how many pages, but it's a paperback, very small. But it's one of those that I can't read more than two pages. I have to sit it down and just think about it. It is yeah. so incredibly encouraging, powerful. Yeah. So um, I can't recommend it high enough. I think every Christian ought to own a copy mm-hmm. and every Christian ought to read it every couple of years. Dang. Very, very good. Tozer. I always thought it sounded funny, and I finally realized just now when you said it, it sounds like hoser. <laughs> it sounds like an insult because it sounds like hoser. You're, you're stinking tozer? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and is it a devotional format? or is no, it, no, no. It's it's chapter book, but very easy read. Um, yeah, very quick read. You could probably read the entire thing in two or three hours. Sweet. Yeah. Short and sweet. Uh, Short and sweet. Show and tell for a short I, and sweet I, book. Yeah, I just got to tell you, it's a must read for all Christians. All right. Well, let's listen to our uh, commercial real quick, and we'll be right back. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content, as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining him on his mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right. Welcome back. Uh, thank you all for listening again. This is episode 97. Yes. Close to the big, big three digit mm-hmm. episode 100. I don't know if we'll do anything special for that or not. But <laughs> Well, uh, I was thinking about that. Rather than do something special for 100, I think we should do something special for 104 because that's two years. Oh, yeah. That's crazy to think about. Yeah, it is. Well, uh we're just in 97 for now. So back into our conversation, uh, I've been talking a lot about how freeing this is, and uh, and that's still true. But when I think about, again, these biblical examples or um, the worldview suggested by Scripture, um, it is so often seemingly black and white. And so I have uh, some questions there on, for instance, um, I think one of the reasons like the book of Romans is so freeing for a lot of people is because Paul allows pretty um, um, explicitly two things at once, sinful flesh and a, and a mind and heart owned by God. Hmm. So, okay, we'll, we'll start with, I'm calling foul. Good. It's your turn to call foul. I guess <laughs> you, you have one saved up at least before that. Would it be right to say that the worldview suggested by scripture is black and white. I would say it is. Yes. And that's not me misreading. And how do you, how does this two truths thing come from then? Because, um, here's, so you have the definitive declaration of truth from God Mm -hmm. and then you have your collision with that truth. 
And two things are true about you as you collide with the truth. But there's only one thing true about the truth. Jesus mm. Christ is the Son of God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's not two things about that. That's the truth. And so um, as you approach that and as you measure yourself from that, you understand that you both believe deeply in Jesus and you betray him all the time. Mm. So I have faith and I have selfishness. I have I have both um, obedient faith and I have practical atheism uh, mm. in the same me. And that you call foul on the, the Romans deal. Only because um, he's not saying that's the way it is. He's saying, or that's the way it should be. He's saying that's the way, that's the way it is until you find the truth. So mm. he's calling you out of that. Romans 7 and 8 is what I think you're talking about. And in Romans 7, he says, man, the things I don't want to do, I keep doing. The things I right. want to do, I don't do. Wretched man that I am. And the word I is in Romans 7 dozens of times but the word in romans 8 and it finishes romans 7 and says uh who can save me from this body of sin and death thanks be to god through jesus christ our lord so there's the answer to his question chapter 8 verse 1 there's narrow therefore no condemnation for those who are in christ so there's the answer to my guilt christ delivers me from that then he describes life um life in the spirit versus life in the flesh. Mm -hmm. And he makes it clear those in the flesh do not please God and cannot do so. But those in the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. And so he's laying out, here's the truth about you and the battle that you have. And here's how to win live this way. But he Romans seven is the describing the already, but not yet. And I that, don't know. I I go back and forth here, and I will confess this is my current conviction. Okay, that Romans seven is a description pre-salvation, and Romans eight is salvation. I think in Romans seven, Paul is describing his life as a Jew, mm -hmm. his life as a Pharisee. It describes perfectly your life without Christ, and Romans eight describes the life that is now available to us um, by the Spirit of God. I'm not saying that's not true, but I think this is how we get into the, well, well, did you stop doing this once you were exactly. a good guy? Exactly. And, and so, so these things are both true about me at the same time. I have my mind set on what the spirit desires and my flesh rises up in a flash without me even realizing it mm -hmm. and leads me astray. And I think part of this conversation is the amount of times that you see um, juxtapositions at all at once in um, in scripture and in the nature of God. So it's not necessarily about good and bad, um, but like with Jesus being fully man and fully God, that's not, but it's and all of this is and. right. Right. You could call this whole thing, the power of and mm, both. you sure could. Uh, we are in the, you know, well, we're in the end days technically since Jesus came mm -hmm. and left, but mm -hmm. we are in the, uh, the last stretch, I guess we, Jesus has come and we have, access to the eternal life right now in um, crude, uh, weak vessels. Yes. So you have Jars both. of clay. Exactly. Mm -hmm. We have both. We are, uh, the whole Jars of Clay passage is all ants. Yes. It is, well, he uses buts, but it is, it is truth. We are perplexed, but not, you know, not beaten down. Yeah. We are all these things all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of precedent for that. Um, and I guess 
to reconcile it easier, you would go to biblical figures, like you said. You would go to David. Well, to and Solomon. even in that jars of clay passage, and we have these this treasure, this treasure of Jesus in jars of clay, so right. that the preeminence might be of Him, not of us. I am nothing; He is everything. So when I am actually congruent with how powerful God is and living in alignment with that, that's Jesus' fault. Right. And when I am uh, betraying and selfish, that is my fault. Mm. Uh, and but this jar of clay, this brokenness of me, really reveals the power of God. Right. That's basically that was my last little. Okay, um, I have bit. one last thought that I want to talk about, and and it is this helpful idea because this is certainly attached to two things being true at the same time. Mm-hmm. This helpful idea of retelling your same story in a new way. Okay. So, um, so uh, I'm going to use Sue as an example. She has publicly talked about this, so I believe I'm not betraying her. Um, no, I don't think so either. Yeah. But um, she used to have this idea of all the – she would see the negativity of her childhood. Sure. That um, she's a missionary kid, so at the in the second grade, she goes to the mission field to the Philippines. They go by freight ship, you know, 21 days at sea. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. There's no internet. There's no – you know, so staying current is impossible. Yeah. Well, so then you're in the Philippines. You're this blonde hair, blue eyed, white girl. People had not seen blonde hair. People would walk up and just touch her hair because they wondered what blonde hair felt like. Uh, then you come home and you're socially incongruent because you haven't kept up with the movies, the music, the styles. Sure. Even lingo, probably. Yeah. And so this creates what they call third culture kids that I'm not I'm not a resident of either place Mm -hmm. i'm a third culture and that means the only culture i have is other missionaries yeah so that faith academy culture all those missionary kids that's probably the yeah that's that's the sweet spot of her culture that's home to her yeah and so um so there's a sad story there Mm -hmm. um you know i got my clothes out of a missions barrel uh we had to move every three and a half years back home I have to leave my friends in the Philippines for a year. I have to come home to this hard life of now I'm back immersed in something. I'm totally, and these people are not nice, man. When you come back in junior high, there's nothing on earth meaner than a junior high girl. Hmm. So uh, she had this story that was very discouraging to her. Yeah. Um, You know, and one day she realized that there's another story that she got to see 20 countries in the world that most people her age have never seen. That, most people, most adults probably. Yeah. That she had amazing people come through and stay in their home in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. World renowned spiritual leaders would stay in her home. That she, um, as a high school graduate, toured Europe with a backpack courageously and adventurously when other people would never even dream of doing that. Because she is so comfortable with the, with the international right. kind of deal. She began to cherish the other part of what was true about her childhood Mm -hmm. and it revolutionized how she felt about her childhood. That's huge. And so this is the beauty of two things being true at the same time you. And so here's the challenge. This is my, this man, this is, I, I, I fear that we've talked about this on one of the podcasts. So if we have, (laughs) I'm going to rehash it anyway, because it's so helpful to me. Uh And that is, there's two stories you could tell about every situation in your life. And you, there's a good story and a bad story. You can tell it good or you can tell it bad. And here's the difference. When you tell it good, it includes personal responsibility 
and hope for the future. That's when you know you're telling the story in a good way Mm -hmm. because it includes personal responsibility. Part of this was my fault. This was my responsibility. I need to take it. I need to take responsibility for this. I'm responsible for how I interpret it. I'm responsible for how I deal with it. If you, if your story includes personal responsibility and hope, you're telling a good story. Hmm. If it doesn't include those two things, you're telling a bad story. (laughs) Very interesting. That's my, that's my theory. I think what's, huge here and one of the things that stops me uh especially my own evaluation of myself is uh whenever i start get, to give myself a little bit of grace i think you're letting yourself off a little easy there aren't right, you like right. that like like you know get back to the get back to whipping <laughs> yourself on the back i think what this does is it releases you from that because you're not denying in in mom's story she's not denying the hardship of growing up exactly she's accepting that because it also had beauty and beauty and and, and rarity mm-hmm. uh-huh and so there is no denial. There right. is no, uh, um, you're not saying these hard things didn't happen. You're not lying to yourself. Exactly. There's just two things going on. And uh, and you're as much, if you were just to keep to the pessimistic side, right? The bad story. Yeah. You're as much denying half the story as you would be if you would just shut out all the bad memories and just exactly. have the good side. Exactly. I don't know. This is. What's your takeaway from this entire conversation? Well, that, that's the whole thing is that is that there is no. Um, that there, that this is freedom to me. Yeah, it is You're to me too. Releasing your pressure to be the judge, one, mm-hmm. to be the the umpire of every situation that you, or come to across. make a definitive declaration of good or bad on so many things. Well, that's what I mean. That's yeah. what, by being the judge, yeah. you have to be. It, my, the, the other way to look at it is, I must discern how I, if this thing in the earth right now is a good thing or mm-hmm. a bad thing, that's impossible. So you're free from that. Uh, you're free from the um, guilt of denial, like like I'm not, I'm I'm just shoved, you know putting that under the rug right. so I can have a good worldview. Right. You don't have to do that either. Yeah. I don't know. It's hugely freeing for me. That's awesome. Do you have a takeaway? Yeah, you just nailed it. Well, for me, the uh, tell the story and cl- make sure I include in my new story personal responsibility and hope mm-hmm. uh, because that will help me. That those are indicators that I'm telling the story in the right way. For sure. All right. Hey, thanks for listening. We're super grateful. Love to hear your feedback on this and really all of our episodes. Please. You can email us at info at jimandjohn.com. No H in the John. Our website, jimandjohn.com. You can see us on Instagram, Jim and John. Mm-hmm. And um, on Twitter, on Twitter at Jim and John. Don't go there. We haven't. Uh, we don't it, tweet much. It's a ghost town over there. But the Instagram is, is popping. <laughs> And uh, we'd love to hear from you there in the comments or the private messages. or Yeah. yeah. Episode ideas, feedback, love, hate. We take it all because it's all true. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) We will see you guys next week. 